Wow, thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship today. I want to sound, thank our sound and uh, technical team who always do such a great job for us. Um, today, I want to continue this, this talk about the Holy Spirit. We've, we've invited him to come uh, to be with us today. Somebody asked me this week what I was preaching on, and I said, the Holy Spirit. And they were like, okay, so you're preaching about God. Okay, that, that, that doesn't really narrow it down very much. Um, well, what I want to talk to you about today is kind of my journey and, and, and where I am in, in my journey of getting to know the Holy Spirit and invite you to come in on that, uh, on that journey with me um, and, and, see, and see where he might take you. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray that you would send the Spirit especially to us today. That, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would think with my mind and speak with my mouth and that you would have every hearer in the sound of my voice hear the message that you have for them. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, some of you know this, uh, but I grew up in a Christian cult. And in my Christian cult, there was lots of weird beliefs and doctrines and, and abuses. Uh, but one of the things was we did not believe that the Holy Spirit is God. I, I remember my grandmother ex explaining to me, well, the Holy Spirit is like, is like electricity. It's like the power of God, but, but it's, not, it's not a person. And, and that's what I believed for the first 20 years of my life. And, and then when I, I came out of that cult and, and I came to orthodoxy, I came to understand the full divinity of the Holy Spirit, that the, the Spirit is, is a person and, and is a person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Well, then about 25 years ago, I had a friend, a mentor, who would say things like, oh, God told, uh, God told me to X. God told me to buy that car. God told me to sell that business. God told me to, and I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? What, what do you mean God told you something? And he would say, well, the Holy Spirit told me. And I was like, uh, okay, what does that mean? What, what does that look like? And so I asked him to, to, to talk to me about how he heard God. And, and, and how to hear God is, is a conversation for another day. Um, but, but then as I, as I went forward, I, I was in a denomination that frankly uh, didn't really talk, their trinity seemed to be more like the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? They, they, they really elevated scripture, but they didn't talk about the Spirit a lot. And it was okay if you wanted to say Holy Spirit, but you better whisper, Holy Spirit, right? Because if, if you say it too loud, you might sound like one of those people who are like all into, you know, really, really uh, expressive worship, those, those charismatics, those, or uh, Pentecostals, that, that's my favorite, but not, not Pentecostals, which is the proper term, but Pentecostals, um, and that's kind, kind of a, an epithet, right? And so, um, but when I was in that church context, I was able to say things like, hey, y'all, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. We can't, we can't say about those folks who, who speak in tongues and pray in tongues, we can't say that that's not of the Spirit because we can't tell the Spirit what he can and can't do. So I, I had a voice in that. Well, now, in our church now, in a context where people are generally more comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit and how he lives and moves and guides our lives, it's, it's much, I feel much more free to talk about the Spirit and my journey of discovering the Spirit and, and inviting him to have a, a different kind of role in my life than, than really I had understood in the first 
in the first 20 year or 40 years of, of my life in this Christian journey. So, so t- today I want to talk about the Spirit. I want to talk about, uh, we're going to go through kind of a Holy Spirit highlight reel through the Old Testament um, and, and see that the Holy Spirit wasn't just active in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus and the life of the church, but he was even from the very beginning uh, from creation. Um, and, and, and ultimately, I want us to see that, that prayer is the pathway for walking with the Spirit. Prayer is the pathway for walking through the Spirit. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. None of these guys know I'm going to do this. Okay, we're going to take the Bible as a timeline, all right? So, so here's creation, and I'm going to walk that way as we walk through the Holy Spirit highlight reel. You ready? All right. This is going to go a lot faster than it's going to seem at first. You ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. In Hebrew, tohu vibohu. It was welter and waste. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Hovered. That word hover is the same word that's used for a bird. Kind of this in the air but effortlessly floating. Okay? The Spirit of God was hovering over the deep. Then we fast forward just a little bit. It says that God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into him. And, and that, word, that word breath is the same word, same wind, breath, spirit. And the word in Hebrew is ruach. Everybody say ruach. Okay, this time, swallow first. Say it really loud without spitting on the person in front of you. Ruach. All right, very good. You see how it's kind of like onomatopoeia? Like ruach, like the, like the, the wind, the breath is, is coming out, right? Okay. So the, God breathed the breath of life into the man. And, and that, the, the verb for breathe right there, when that Hebrew word gets translated into Greek, like about 170 years before Jesus comes, that word gets translated into Greek as emphasao, emphasao. So those are the only, only two Greek and Hebrew words I'm going to ask you to remember today, ruach and emphasao. Everybody say emphasao. Okay, it's where we get our English word emphysema, right? It's a, a breathing disease. So emphysao. That word only shows up six times in the, whole, in the whole Old Testament, okay? By the way, there's going to be a bunch of Bible today. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. Just go with me. You'll figure it out as you go, okay? So, so God breathed emphysao, the breath of life, into the man, and the man became a living being, okay? So we don't hear a lot about the Spirit for a little while, but we fast forward through the Bible, and in Exodus 35, this is when, when the children of Israel have come out of slavery in Egypt, and the very first person that the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know what his name was? I'll give you $10 you can tell me what his name is. His name is Bezalel. Oh yeah, Bezalel, I've heard of that guy. No, you haven't. Bezalel in Exodus 35 was the first person that said was filled with the Spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says that that God told Moses, I have filled Bezalel with my Holy Spirit. Why? Is Bezalel going to be a priest? Is Bezalel going to be a prophet? You know what he was? He was an artisan. He was a builder. He knew how to build things and make things. Isn't it wonderful that the first time we see that the Holy Spirit empowered somebody it wasn't to be a preacher or a prophet or a saint. It was to be a builder. The everyday work, God, it matters to God, and God, God's spirit fills us so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. So we, so we begin to see that the spirit is, fills people for this, this appointment, this, uh, this inspiration. Artists often talk about inspiration, right? Inspire, the word spirit, 
that it has, it has inspiration, has its root in the word spirit. And, and so this appointment and, and this like giving of responsibility and, and inspiration. Then we fast forward uh, about, <laughs> about 250 years to King David. And after King David's sin against Bathsheba and Uriah, in Psalm 51, he prays this prayer of repentance. And he, and he prays, God, please don't, he, first of all, he says, please create a new heart in me and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. See, David understood that God had sent the Spirit to him, appointing him to be the, his, his representative as king of, of Israel. Do you see that? So again, we see the, the Spirit appointing and, and, and empowering for service. Let's fast forward another 400 years. We get to Ezekiel. Now, you've got to understand the context of what's happening in Israel. So 400 years after King David, the, the children of Israel are conquered by the Babylonians, the, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom got destroyed before by the Assyrians. But in 597 BC, the Judahite kingdom, the King David's line, was defeated by the Babylonians, and, every, and people got taken into exile. Okay, And they're like, we're done. We have no king. We have no land. We have no temple. All the promises of God are broken. Okay, And here, at this point, the prophet Ezekiel has this experience where God gives him a vision. Okay, and, 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 and we're going we're gonna to take our time on, on this part, okay? Um, I, this is Ezekiel 37, okay? I'm going to read the whole thing, but I want you to imagine, I want you to think about the times in your life when you think all is lost. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe that's you in the past. And if not, it will be someday. That experience of feeling like God, God is done with me. I'm, my, my, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm just dry bones walking. That, that, that's the experience when you think all the promises of God are broken. So I want you to hear what, what that would sound, what that sounded, what this text sounded like to the Israelites then and, and, and what it means for you, okay? Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. Listen, listen to all the times we see the word spirit here. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And guess what that word breathe there is? Emphasao. Emphasao. Breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood upon their feet, a vast army the God who turns bones 
into armies. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, and you need to hear your, hear your name right there. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. I wanted to read that whole thing because no matter what I say, if you can hear the word of the Lord spoken aloud, maybe God will speak to you. So then we get to the New Testament. In Mark chapter one, the Bible says that God ripped open the heavens. See, ancient, ancients believed that the universe was this big sphere that we all lived inside of, and as we looked up into the heavens, there, this, this perfect, perfect, perfect sphere, that, that the, the stars were all on the edge of that sphere, that, and that it was perfectly ordered and immutable. It couldn't be changed. And Mark comes along, and in the first few verses of his gospel, says, now God goes, rips it open, and he looks down, and he says, this is my son at Jesus' baptism. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. What do doves do? They hover, just like the Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos. But just before that, if we, if we start the gospel in, in Matthew chapter 1, we see that the Holy Spirit was active in, in Jesus even becoming human. It was the Holy Spirit who made Mary become pregnant w- without having a husband, without having a man. The Spirit was at work. Then we get to, to, to Luke, and it says that Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness after, uh, after his baptism so that, he could be, so that he could be tempted. And the Spirit ministered to him. And then when he began his ministry, he was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is all over the ministry of Jesus. And then, when, when, in Jesus' ministry, he says something very powerful. Two different times he says, in, in, not in Matthew where he says, your father will give you good gifts. But in Luke, he says, if a, fa- if a son asks his father for a stone, will his father give him bread? Ask his father for bread, will his father give him a stone? No. How much more your father in heaven who loves you give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? That's what it says in, in Luke chapter 11. And then another time, Jesus says, when you're persecuted, when you are persecuted, don't worry about what you will say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. And and I can just imagine the disciples going, okay, the spirit who is with God at, at creation, but the spirit give me words? What are, you, what are you talking about? What does the spirit have to do with language? That's kind of weird. Then in Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul says that it is the power of the spirit by which Jesus was raised, that, that it was this life-giving, this life-breathing uh, power of the spirit that that. That, that reconstituted Jesus' broken body into the resurrected, the, the, the first example, the, the down payment of the new creation. That that's when, that, that it was the power of the Spirit at work in the reconstitution of Jesus' body. And then, after Jesus appears, like, so after Jesus is resurrected, he comes and he appears to his disciples. And, and there's this fascinating part where it says that Jesus breathed on them. And guess what that Greek word is there? Emphasao. It's the only time in the New Testament where that word is used because John knows exactly what he's doing. He wants us to remember back to God breathing the breath of life 
into creation. Now the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is breathing the Holy Spirit into the new creation. And it's just like the Valley of Dry Bones. Because Jesus was dead and now he is alive. And, and, and at the end of, of Matthew's gospel, it says that, 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 that people came out of their graves. That, that, that those who, who were perhaps recently dead, that they, they, they came back out of their graves. Not, not to live forever like Jesus or, or like us when we're resurrected, but resuscitated, come back to life. Because Matthew goes, oh yeah, just like Ezekiel 37. And if Ezekiel could have seen what happened at the, at the death of Jesus and seen those people come out of the graves, and if he had seen Jesus come, come up from the grave, and if he had seen the Spirit poured out on the, on the people of God on the day of Pentecost, he would have said, oh yeah, Valley of Dry Bones, emphasize the Spirit has come. So, we've seen the Spirit at work from creation, empowering, redeeming, restoring what was lost in Ezekiel 37. So now we get to Exodus chapter 2 where the Spirit of God is poured out. By the way, the, the, the prophet Joel had said, one day I will pour... God says, one day I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And it's here on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus, that we see the Spirit come poured out and, and tongues of fire come and, and rest on the disciples. And they start speaking in all kinds of languages. And, and this, this, this vis, visible fire above their heads reminds us of the Exodus, when, when, the, when God was in the presence of his people as a pillar of fire. And, and, and this, this presence of God is, is, is promised. It's, it's no longer fragile the Spirit is here and with us. Okay, so we've talked about the Spirit through the text. Now I just have a few observations. I think some, some of these are, are re relatively new for me. Um, it seems to me that one of the most fascinating things about what the Holy Spirit does is he brings clarity to language. He brings clarity to language. In fact, the title of my, my talk with you today is clarity. He brings clarity to language. You remember that part back in the Old Testament where uh, people were building the, the Tower of Babel and, and God saw that it, was filled, that it was prideful and God sent confusion into their language and, they, and they, they spread out? Well, here the Holy Spirit has, has all, these, all these faithful Jews from all over the known world. They're from Parthia and Cappadocia, and I had to look up where all these places are, Pontius in Asia, they're from all over, but they're in town in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, one of the seven high holy days of the Jewish people. And, and, and these, some of these folks are, are like, um, they're like sophisticated, okay? These are, these are city folk, these are educated folk, these, these are people who, who really know what they're doing. And, and these disciples, where are they from? They're from Galilee, okay? Galilee is pretty much um, it's backwoods, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, like they, they, they talk kind of, they talk kind of funny. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to do an impression of any accent that, that we might understand. But, but there's certain accents that you go, oh, you're not very smart, are you? Okay, that's the accent that Peter had. Okay, and when the Spirit comes and, and they start, and, and and Peter and the other disciples start speaking, and everybody hears in their own language. It's not just a language difference; it's a culture difference. It's an education difference, and the Spirit bridges that gap. Why? to make sure that the gospel goes forth, to make sure that the gospel is not limited by linguistic imperfections. When I, when I was in, in college, I got to study, I got to take a course in linguistics and a course in semantics, and, and, and what I learned from it is that language is deeply, deeply imperfect. 
When I say something to you, I have to be, I have to be very mindful of all the ways you could misunderstand what I'm saying, right? If I say Teddy Roosevelt, and do you know who I'm talking about? You go, yeah, the guy was president, you know, Teddy Bear, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm actually talking about his nephew who was also Teddy Roosevelt, right? Anytime, anytime I say something, I might not mean exactly what you think. Well, the Spirit solves these linguistic problems, okay? So I, I want to talk about a few examples of how the Spirit, like, I've always thought of these as kind of different things. Like, oh, yeah, the Spirit does that. No, yeah, the Spirit does that. Now, what I believe is that the Spirit brings clarity to language, and that looks a lot of different ways, like, like a jewel with, like, different facets. It's all one thing, but it looks different from lots of different angles. So that, that's what I want to I explore with you right here. First of all, I should grab my Bible. I might want to, I might want to refer to that. Um, First of all, is that the Spirit helps us know the mind of God. Helps us know the mind of God. Okay, before, before I read the text here, I want to give you an example. A long time ago, I was a part of this church, uh, and there was a, a Lao congregation, people from Laos, okay? Everybody knows where Laos is, right? Okay, it's, it's just east of Thailand, just west of Vietnam, okay? And, and these were folks who, who came over, you know, refugees because of the Vietnam War. They've been here for a long, 20 40 years, okay? And then there was another, there was a, a, another group of refugees who had recently come to the United States who were the Karen people. They were persecuted Christians from Myanmar. Everybody knows where Myanmar is, right? Right between Thailand and India. Now, Lao people speak Lao. Karen people speak Karen, right? So the Karen people didn't have a pastor. So they would come to church with the Lao people, and nobody spoke the same language, but the Lao pastor would preach, and, and remember what's in between Laos and Thailand, between Laos and Myanmar, Thailand. There was one Lao guy who spoke Thai and one Karen guy who spoke Thai. And so the Lao pastor would preach in Lao. The one guy would he- listen in, in Lao, say it in Thai. The other guy would hear it in Thai and then say it to everybody in Karen. Oh, exhausting, inefficient. But the Spirit made a way. God knows the mind of God, and we know our own mind. There's a gap, except that the Spirit speaks both languages. Here's what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities in Spirit-taught words. Do you see what happened there? God knows the mind of God, we know our own mind, but we can't see the difference except that the Spirit knows the mind of God and knows the mind of the man or the woman. Do you see that? So this communication gap between us and God is fixed. Next thing, speaking and praying in tongues. There was this cultural linguistic gap that I talked about that that is no longer a problem because the Spirit solved that because of the speaking in tongues. Then, uh, many of you, many of us, uh, pray in tongues because we we pray to God, but it's not 
that connection to God is not limited by our command of the English language. Thank goodness, because we're not all good at the English language. So we don't always know the right words to pray. But, but some are given this gift to be able to pray to God directly in the spirit, not limited by language. The next, uh, similar to that, is when we don't know how to pray. Romans 8 says that, that the spirit helps us by praying with groans too deep for words. When, when, when our pain is too deep and, 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 we can, and we can't find the words, the Spirit will come alongside us and he will groan with us because even the Spirit might not know the words, but he can still communicate. He can still pray with us and, and, and send that to the Father and to the Son. These are all part of the same thing where the Spirit brings clarity to language. Then uh, another thing is when we hear God for direction or exhortation, it, we, we can talk more about that another time, but, but to be led by the Spirit, to ask God for wisdom, to ask him, God, help me in, in making this decision. I want to be led by you. Another example of this is divine unction in preaching. So all my, all my preacher friends will attest to this. Sometimes a pastor will get up and preach a sermon, and after the sermon, Somebody will say, oh, pastor, that was such a great sermon. I'm so glad you talked about ABC. And the pastor's like, I did not say anything about that. You've ever had that experience? Now, so good, good pastors go, good, because we know that, that a wonderful thing has happened, that God has spoken to you, and God was not limited by what I said. That God has spoken directly to your heart. And there's sometimes, sometimes when I even know it's happening while it's happening, when I, I, I'm, I'm talking and I'm in, I'm in control, but I know that God is, is, is hovering above my words and he is not limited by them. He's speaking to people directly. Another example is divine unction and evangelism. And, and by the way, <laughs> these examples I'm giving here, I'm kind of going out on a theological limb. The first few, they're right there in the Bible. They're right there in the Bible. They're right there in the Bible, okay? But now this part, divine, divine unction and evangelism, this is the exciting part, because that, I was like, oh, okay, you know, if, if God call, calls me to, to preach his word, yeah, sometimes he's going to take my words and he's going to do something more with them than I can imagine. But there's this guy named uh, Dr. Rosh Chandler, and he wrote a book called Excited to Share, and he presents the idea that the same thing that the Spirit is doing in, uh, when he allows people to speak in tongues and pray in tongues is the same thing that he can do when you share your faith with somebody else. So some people are afraid to evangelize. What if I say the wrong thing? What if, what if I explain the gospel wrong? What if, what if I quote scripture wrong and blah, blah, blah? Do, do you trust that the Spirit is more powerful than your language? Do you trust that the Spirit can speak to the heart of the people who will listen to you? It's the same thing. Divine unction is not limited to preachers. It's limited to Christians who can speak with God's mouth and, and can trust that God can do things beyond the power of our own language. God has empowered you with that because he solved this language problem. Now, here's, here's another thing. Interpersonal communication. I believe that, that with the, at the cost of prayer, that, that we can ask the Spirit to control our language even in our interpersonal communication. Let me give you an example. Okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about marriage conversation, okay? Let's talk, if, if on the one hand we have harshness, and then over here we have unkindness, which is not quite as bad as harshness. And then we have unthoughtfulness. And then we have just dumb. 
okay? You just say things that are dumb. You're not trying to be a jerk. You're just, you're just dumb. Well, let me tell you about in, in my life, in my marriage, as soon as I cross over to the dumb part, my wife's like, uh-uh, nope. That's the end of that. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I, crossed, over, I crossed over the dumb part. And, 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 I, and I'm, I actually thanked her because she keeps me from going to the, to the unthoughtful, right? Because, because she stops me at, at dumb. And, and here's what I found. If I am prayed up, I don't say dumb things. And, when I, and, and if I'm not prayed up, I'm going to say more dumb things. And more things like, I don't mean to be a jerk. It just comes across revealing that I am truly a jerk, okay? So, so I'll, I'll say something, and, and she'll be like, that was, that was so, so unkind of you to say. And I was like, but what I, what I meant was this. That always happens when I'm not prayed up. All those, you know, those silly fights that you get into as married people, you know, we, we were just noticing this week, that happens when we haven't prayed together that morning. Almost always, those little, those little miscommunications that, you know, you're like, you're like three hours into the, <laughs> and you don't even know why you're mad, you just know that you're mad. They all started because we didn't pray together that morning. I believe that the Spirit, when, when, at, when, when we devote ourselves to prayer and ask, and we know that prayer is the pathway to walking with the Spirit, he, he, he saves us from our own stupidity. I don't know about you, but that's just been my experience. The cost of Holy Spirit-empowered language is prayer. We tune in, we align ourselves with God, seeking God to saturate, seeking God's Spirit to saturate our mind. We give time and space to God to direct us, to transform us, to speak truth to us. The goal of the with God life, and, and here's, my, here's my main thing I want to say today. The goal of the with God life is a day-to-day invitation to the Spirit, day-to-day awareness of the Spirit, day-to-day life controlled by the Spirit, and prayer is the pathway for walking with the Spirit. Clarity. The Holy Spirit not only brings clarity to language, he brings clarity to your identity. I want to read to you Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Transformation, to put to death the misdeeds of the body. You know, there are certain appetites that we have in our flesh that if left unchecked will destroy the people around us and will destroy our own bodies. But if we walk in the spirit, then all of those appetites are kept in check and they can be utilized in love. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay. And, and, and this, this transformation where, where, where we're really becoming who we really are. When, when we step into transformation and, 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 we, and we invite God to transform us, we are, not, we are not destroying our selfhood. We are becoming more and more who we are. Let me give you an example. There was this guy I knew, he, he was a, a great athlete, he played high school at South Lake Carroll, uh, which is a big 5A, very successful football program, and, and he was a wide receiver, very, very fast. And he said that when he would make a mistake, he would come back to the sideline, and you know what his coach would say? What, what did we imagine coach would say? Oh, you screwed up, you didn't run the right route, you made a good interception, blah, blah, blah. His coach would say, that ain't you, baby, that ain't you. When you make a mistake, that's just you not being you. When you do it right, when you, live, when you live in alignment with God's will, you're being you. You're being your true self. You're being the you that God created you to be. That's transformation. 
Look at the next thing he says. For those who are led by the Spirit, are the, by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We live in this submission to God. When, 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 when my kids were little, uh, my, my oldest son, when he would misbehave, I would say, son, child? And, and he knew that if I said the word son, child, I was mad. And one time I was explaining, we were out to lunch, there was a whole bunch of people at the table, and I was explaining, I was like, yeah, if I say son, child, he'll know. And from across the table, he looked at me like, with like this mean look like, what did I do wrong? Because I said the word son, child. Now, guess what? He's 21 years old, and if I say son, child, he'll be like, excuse me? Right? Now, there are certain parts, certain parts of his life that he chooses to say, Dad, I need your advice on this. Dad, I need your help on this. But it's all on his own terms. You see, the Spirit won't make us submit, but if we, if we choose to submit, he'll give us direction. He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us help, just like I'm willing to give to my own son. For the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, this Bible translation is very careful to use inclu- gender-inclusive language. Children, not sons. Uh, brothers and sisters, not just brothers, right? But it's very clear to say adoption to sonship because in the ancient world, when, you were, when, when a man adopted another man as his son, that decision was irrevocable. He could not change his mind and unadopt him. That adoption was forever, and that son had to be included in the inheritance, had to be. It was irrevocable. That's what happened to you and me when we stepped out of the darkness and into the light. We were adopted into sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. The spirit himself, and this, I love this part. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you don't believe it, the spirit will remind you that you are a child of God. I used to I used to get really mad on the, on the road. Lane and I have this in common. You know, I, I, I do something, I'm being selfish, somebody yells at me, you know, gives me a, what do they call it, a rude gesture, or, or yells at me out the window. And, and where, I, where I grew up, I was like, okay, time to fight. I'm, I'm, let, let's go. Let's go. It doesn't matter if I was wrong. If you're going to talk to me that way, we're going to fight. Nowadays, because of this, you know, somebody calls me a name, I'm like, nah, actually, I'm the son of a king. I, I don't know, I just don't even accept anything you just said. Because I know my identity. You see, prayer is how we choose to be led by the Spirit. And we live out the truth of this identity as a child of God. We tune in, we align ourselves with God, seeking God's Spirit to saturate our mind. We give time and space to God to direct us, transform us, and speak truth to us. Prayer is the pathway for walking by the Spirit. I'm going to skip this next part for the sake of time and get to the end. When we spend time with the Spirit, what's interesting is that the Spirit doesn't get magnified in our mind. Like, we don't go, man, the Spirit is great. Love the Spirit. What happens instead is the Spirit brings clarity to our worship. When, when we really tune into the Spirit, when we really spend time daily, not, not, like, not like I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to work out for three hours, and I'm going to pump iron, and I'm going to run 10 miles, and then I'm going to do nothing for three weeks, but just every day. I'm going to go to the gym half an hour, maybe four days a week. After a few months, you begin to see a change. That's what it's like when you spend time praying with the Spirit. And when you do, what you'll find is that God the Father gets bigger. You're reminded that He is the Creator. 
He is the sustainer. He is the life breather. He is our redeemer. He is the way maker. He's the rescuer from slavery. He's the holy one of Israel. He's El Shaddai, the God of the mountain, God Almighty. He's Adonai, our Lord. And then Jesus gets bigger. And, 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 and when we spend this time in the spirit, it, what, here's what wells up in us. Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnate Logos, my rabbi, my healer. You're the fulfillment of scripture. You're the lion of Judah. He, he, he fed 5,000 people and he said, I am the bread of life. He healed the blind man and he said, I am the light of the world. He confronted the Pharisees for, for, for being blind guides, for being terrible shepherds, and he said, I am the good shepherd. He came to, to Mary and Martha who had just lost their brother and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. La vida, verdad, y vida. He said, I am the true vine. He is the crucified Lamb of God. He is the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And when he was resurrected, he was resurrected victorious Messiah. Took the, the keys of sin and death and hell, and he ex just exerted his power over all of it. And one day he's returning. And in that day, we can say, you are my king, bright morning star, firstborn from among the dead, firstborn over all creation, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what listening to the spirit makes us think about. The God who is everything we need, and all we ever needed. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and pray this simple prayer to the Holy Spirit. There's a fuller prayer that I'm gonna have available on our website tomorrow. A prayer that I invite you to pray every day, every day, seeking God to come and help you walk in this clarity. But a shorter one today. I'm gonna to ask you to repeat after me. I'm gonna say a few words. I'm gonna ask you in unison to repeat them after me. Come Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me anew today. Thank you for spiritual gifts and my identity in Christ. I ask you to come into my heart to heal the hurt, to fill the emptiness, to light up the darkness, to speak truth to the lies, forgive my sin, transform me into the image of Christ so your fruit bursts forth so I can fulfill my destiny. Give me the words to say every day. In Jesus' name, amen.